Well, hey there. Thanks so much for joining us on the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If these messages have blessed your life, go ahead and subscribe by clicking the subscribe button inside the podcast app. And if your life has been impacted by this ministry, would you consider supporting it financially so that we can continue to love God, love people, and prove it? You can give by visiting hope615.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you are blessed through today's message. Uh, we, do, we do want to say happy Father's Day to everybody in the room. Um, a lot of you know my story. Some of you don't. My goodness, you know, you, you think, what happened? I don't feel like I should be as old as I am, but my dad passed away 32 years ago. Uh, and so you can do the math. I was 21 when my dad passed away. And uh, so, you know, I was, I was really reflective. Last night I was at home and I got out this scrapbook of pictures that my mom had made for me many years ago. And, and I don't have that many photos of me and my dad together. And so the ones I have, I cherish. But, uh, and, and so those of you guys in the room who are dads, bless you. I pray that you have a great day. I, I know that uh, you probably feel like I do most days. You feel like maybe sometimes you fall short and miss the mark. But praise the Lord, we have a heavenly Father who shows us how to lead and to be the dad God wants us to be. Uh, we've talked a lot about VBS, and I think you realize that's because it really did impact us. And so here's what I want to do. Get out your phone. We, we have told you about an opportunity coming up, and I'm going to ask you to make an appointment. So open, let's just see how long this takes. Open your phone. Those of you who have a smartphone, open up your calendar with me. And go to the month of July, July, Wednesday night, July 17th. Oh, there it is. Push that add button. I'm going to add an appointment. I'm going to add ice cream and games. Ice, you do the same, cream and games. We're at, we'll take your pick, Colony Square or Imperial, C-O-L-O-N-Y-S-Q-U-A-R-E. Well, look at that, Kent. You can even spell. Okay, so it's going to start on Wednesday night, July 17th. I'm telling myself that starts at 6.30, not a.m., praise the Lord, but p.m., and hit the add button, and it is in my calendar. I hope it is in yours as well. We really are going to have a good time. Wednesday night, July 17th, God really blessed us, and we want to continue. Uh, you think about this, especially those of you who over the years have been through that study by Henry Blackaby called Experiencing God. We saw God at work this past week. And you know Dr. Blackaby's invitation, why don't you just join him in what he's already doing? And that's what we believe God is doing. Uh, so that's that. On this Father's Day, I want to continue to pick back up on a conversation that I started last week with you about church leadership. And uh, you're like, church leadership, come on, give me a good Father's Day sermon. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not going to give you some Father's Day sermon today, but I am going to talk to you about something really important. This is part two of church leadership. And I introduced you last week to, listen to me, not my model, but the biblical model in the New Testament for both deacons and elders. And what I really... Yes, uh, last week was an introduction. I wanted to communicate just the why. Why is this important? Hey, why are we going to talk about this at Hope Fellowship Church? Well, I told you, number one, because I want our church to function as close as possible to the way we see Scripture setting up the church body. And then number two, I believe, I really believe with all of my heart that having both deacons and elders will strengthen the church body. 
And so I want you to remember, Scripture is the authority. God's Word is the authority on this. If you decide to do it on your own, think about this with me. If we try to figure this out with our own human, human wisdom, and, and instead ignore God's holy word, we're going to find ourselves struggling at times with the way God really intended for the church to function. And, and think about this with me. I think this is another important thing to consider. If we follow the, the scriptural guidelines in the Bible, what this really does, listen, it actually allows us to hold our leaders, elders and deacons, to the highest standards of biblical qualifications, not something we just make up on our own. Now, think about churches. We, you know, that's the cool thing about a church start, a young church like we are. We have many people in this room who have come from all kinds of different faith backgrounds. And so you might say, well, Ken, in my last church, we had trustees. We had church council members. We had leadership teams. And that's fine, but here's what I want to say. All those different titles are fine, but there are no biblical qualifications and guidelines for those kinds of terms. Now, what's been my journey? Man, I've been the kid who's been, I've been Southern Baptist all my life. And, and after I got a little older and God called me into ministry, I served at some churches who, who loved some committees. Oh my goodness. Committee this, committee that. There were youth committees. There were budget committees. There were outreach committees. There were, I love this one, the building and grounds committee. There were prayer committees. There were mission committee, committees. And of course, I think everyone's all-time favorite, the Committee on Committees. Just, just think about it with me just for a moment. And I understand. I, do you even know what a Committee on Committees does? I will say this. I would say that in government, like in the Senate, okay, okay. In the Senate, yes, it's probably necessary to have a Committee on Committees. I, I get that. But in a church, most often the committee on committees, it's a group of people that meet together and they sit around the table and they look at each other like, hey, um, who you think we, we need to add two people to this committee over here? You think old Bubba would do it? I don't know. And, and I mean, I've been a part of these meetings. Let me say this too. Let me say, and I'm not mad, I'm not angry, I'm not bitter. I'm just explaining, not complaining. Hear me. Here's what I discovered in my years of ministry serving in churches, sitting in a whole lot of committee meetings. Well-intentioned people. I have spent countless hours a part of church committee meetings. And here's some things I've discovered. The majority of what was discussed in those committee meetings could have been just as effective if the leader would just have sent an email. Or, random thought, what if instead of us dialoguing for an hour and a half in a committee meeting, we would have instead decided to pray? I, I'm just saying, not complaining, just explaining. 
And, and so in the modern church, here we are today. You're like, well, hope's not like that really, are we? Well, no, we're really not. But, but here's what happens in churches, I believe, all over America today. We, we tend to get so far away from how God intended for the church to function. And, and really, if you try to compare what does the church look like today compared to the New Testament church, oh my goodness, we're so radically different. And so one of the things I want to do today is just give you a few examples where, praise the Lord, no committee on committees was needed. And all God's people said, okay, there you go. The first example we'll look at is in the book of Acts chapter 6. If you want to open your Bible to the book of Acts chapter 6, we'll start there today. Look at this text with me. And in those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained. They complained about the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. All right, we have the introduction of a problem. You've got two different groups of Jewish people. Some of them speak in Hebrew. Some of them speak in Greek. They can't communicate. There's a breakdown. And now they're all upset because some of the widows had been overlooked. Problem identified. And by the way, Acts chapter 6, this would be an early example of what deacon ministry first looked like in the New Testament. So then there's a, a solution is proposed without having a committee on committee meetings. So the 12, the apostles, they gathered together, all the disciples, and they said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables, in order to serve these widows. So brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. And we will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer, and to the ministry of the Word. And this proposal pleased the whole group. And it says who they chose. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Paramenus, and I don't even know if I'm saying all these names correctly, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. And they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. Okay, just take a time out. This, this one text is a really great example of the difference in how the Bible describes an elder is gifted to lead and how a deacon is gifted to serve. Now, a flashback from last week. I want you to remember, in the Bible, when we see the word elder, when we see the word shepherd, the word bishop, overseer, pastor, all of those names are very similar describing this same role. So when I say elder, it's all that same. Elder, overseer, shepherd, bishop, pastor, all of that. And the elders, according to God's word, are charged, listen, with spiritual oversight of the church. And then according to God's word, the deacons who are, remember, deacons mean servant, deacon servant, they're charged with helping out, with physical, with material needs in the church. And so in this text, it's really clear. The apostles, the leaders, the apostles, they say, hey, as the elders, 
we have identified this very important need that needs to be met in the church body, and they're thinking to themselves, I guess we could do this ourselves, but if we do this ourselves, then we're not going to be able to give all our attention to prayer and to the Word, the ministry of the Word of God. Therefore, they appointed these servants, these deacons. And by the way, because some of you, you've never even like, how do we start doing that? If you've ever been to a deacon ordination service, you will notice the deacon candidates, they'll oftentimes be in a chair or even down kneeling on their knees. And you'll watch as others come by and lay hands on them and pray over them. Well, guess where that came from? Right here in Acts chapter 6. And so let me give you some more specifics today. As I said, last week was kind of an introduction. And first, I want to talk to you about the role of elder. Now, I realize that some of you, this is kind of on your radar. Some of you are like, I don't care. I trust you guys. And some of you are, this is like, yeah, I want to talk about this. So here's what you all need to know. So far in the eight years of Hope Fellowship Church, we've never had elders at Hope. You might say, well, yes, we have. You're our pastor and you're the, you're the one lone elder. Well, okay, you could say that. But I'm talking about a team of, of leadership beyond myself. We've never had a, an elder team. And so what I'm talking about is, is brand new. This is a new idea. I'm asking you to pray with us about this. Think about this. And let me remind you, as I did last week, we're not rushing this. In the church office during the week, we've been talking about this amongst ourselves for over a year. I've had dialogues multiple times with our current deacons about this. And, and they've affirmed this. They said, yes, we need to move in this direction. So let's talk about the elders. Now, last week I asked you to read over 1 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to look at that again in just a second. But I want to help you with some, just answer some practical questions. What would an elder do? What would an elder team do at Hope Fellowship Church? Well, look at the screen with me. Number And all this I'm going to show you exactly where it says it in the New Testament. Number one, the elders will be charged to keep watch over and shepherd the flock. To keep watch over and shepherd the flock. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. We'll put it up. And so have confidence in your leaders... And submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account and do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Another text in the book of Acts, under the same point, number one, elders are to keep watch over and shepherd the flock. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. And so keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you, there's that word, overseers, overseers, elders, pastors, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Well, that's part of what an elder does. A truth number two, what does an elder do? Number two, they teach sound Doctrine. Look at Titus chapter 1, verse 9. And this overseer, this elder, says he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught. Why? So that he can encourage others, there it is, 
by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Now, if you really begin to let this trickle down and think through it and think about it, how much more, you know, here I am, I'm the pastor, yes, of Hope Fellowship Church, but there have been times I felt like I'm kind of out here by myself on a limb. But as God allows us to empower some other men to serve alongside me in this role of elder, it, it can only do things to grow up our church and, and even give us more sound doctrine when these men of God together think through and talk about and focus on the truths that we believe and teach as a church. There's a third truth. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2. I read this verse to you last week, but I really didn't break it down. What else does an elder do? Exercise spiritual oversight. Look at what the text says. And so be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. Not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but instead being eager to serve. And then number four, which is really just the rest of 1 Peter 5. I'm going to add verse 3 this time. Truth number four, what does an elder do? Set the example of what it looks like to be a faithful Christian. And so then, be, I'm going to read it again. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. Not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you. And here's the last part of the text. But being examples to the flock. Now, you're like, okay, this is good. I see where you're going. I see what God's word says. But in addition... You might say, what is this going to look like on a really practical level? As we get to this place, my goal with the team of elders will be that we will gather together at least once a month. And when we gather together, there will be a time where we will be focused in prayer. And we will dream together. And I desire for these men to help plan with me. And as Scripture says in the book of Proverbs chapter 27, it's like iron that sharpens iron together. And so go with me. I wanted to give you that. Now look again with me at 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. This is where we introduced you to this last week, the qualifications of both elders and deacons. And let's read through this in light of what I've just said. 1 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Well, hold on. Before we read that, I do have a quote. Do you have that quote for me? Okay. Let me share this. In all this research and study, and I mean, I've had people sending me articles. It's been awesome. And like I said, I've been thinking about this for a long time, but this one quote, there's a, a New Testament and Greek professor at Southeastern Seminary. His name is Benjamin Markle. Markle? I bet, I bet people made fun of his name his whole life. But anyway, here's what he said. He said, look at this, look at this quote. The main difference between an elder and a deacon is a difference of gifts and calling, but not character. That, that is so true. It's just a difference in giftedness and calling, but, but both of them have impeccable character. And so when the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy, watch out. Because this is how I've seen it operate in the churches that I've been in in the past. 
the focus of this text we're going to read again this morning, it's all about character. With, with both elders and deacons, it's all about character rather than administrative skills. Guess what direction most churches lean? Oh, well, we need to pick old so-and-so to be on this because, you know, man, blah, 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 blah. Here's their skill set. Here's their administrative gifting. And over the years and all the churches I've been in, that seems to be most common. But mind blown, look at this text with me again. It's not about being an administrative expert so much as it is about, watch this, character which oftentimes in this text says this person needs to be a peacemaker. Hmm. Look at the text with me. 1 Timothy 3. Here is a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer, I know I sound like a broken record, the overseer. It's, it's the elder. It's the pastor. It's the bishop. It's all of those things. Whoever desires to do that, whoever aspires to be that, desires a noble task. Now the overseer, the elder, is to be above reproach. He is to be faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. And let me just take a, you know, we put our kids in timeout. Let me take a timeout. While you will see very many of these characteristics and elder and deacon qualifications to be similar, the key difference in this text when we're talking about the overseer, the elder, is that one phrase. The ability to teach this incredibly strong understanding of the truths of God's word. Continue with me. Verse 3. Not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle. Not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. And he must also do so in a manner worthy of full respect. Verse 5, if anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert. He must not be a brand new believer. Or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders, those people outside of the body of Christ, so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. And so here we look at God's word, the qualifications of the elder. We see all this truth. We see this, this one very specific thing that's going to be different than when we get down to begin to talk about deacons, this having the ability to, to teach, to understand the, the truths of God's Word. And now Paul transitions, and he begins to talk about deacons. Let's read this together. In the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. 
they must first be tested. And then if there's nothing against them, then let them serve as deacons. Let them serve. Deacon, servant. A deacon is a servant. In the same way, verse 11, the women, your Bible may say wives, it's translated different ways in different versions of the Bible. In the same way, the women or the wives are to be worthy of respect. Not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and his household well. 1 Timothy 1, verses 1 through 12. Now, here's what I want to talk about for just a few minutes with you this morning. Look with me again at verse 11. I want to talk about this because growing up, no one ever talked to me about this, ever. It was always an assumption. And truthfully, up until about one year ago, I had never taken the time to slow down and research any of this. Why? And, and here's what I knew, especially, you know, here I am. I'm the guy that worked at the Tennessee Baptist Convention. I would go around and visit Tennessee Baptist churches all over the state. I'm like, man, some, some of our Baptist churches have female deacons, and some of them don't. And I'm, and I'm like, what is this? I've never researched this. And, and so just so, here again, I want us to all be on the same page. Hope Fellowship Church, to this day, eight years old so far, we've not had any female deacons at Hope. And so I just started doing the research. Let me read up on this. Let me pray about this. And the question is, church, in the New Testament, in the New Testament, were there female deacons? And everybody said, oh, or maybe not. Maybe you've already done this. Based on my study, I have learned that probably, yes, there were. And I'm going to give you four observations. This is not my personal ideology, but 100% what I see in Scripture. Listen to me closely. Remember, if a deacon is a servant, it changes the lens you look at this through. Perhaps that's why growing up in a very traditional Southern Baptist church, we, we had deacons, we never even talked about elders, and so we maybe should have been calling that group of guys at the churches that I served in and grew up in, elders. They were functioning as elders. They had a lot of power. And so here's what I would say based on study. Number one, the Greek word for deacon, you just start there. You realize that all of God's word, it has been translated from the original Hebrew and the Greek. So you go back to this Greek word of deacon. The first thing I learned is this. The Greek word deacon has no masculine or feminine in the same form. So oftentimes you can look at the original and see is it a masculine or a feminine word. So the word itself, I'm like, well, okay, that's not going to help us at all because there is no masculine or or feminine in, in the same form. Number two, I think this is a big one. In the middle of all these qualifications, remember the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 3, he's writing this letter and he's writing about the qualifications for the deacons. And he gets to this part where he says, the wives or the women likewise... They are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. So here we are. We read that text. This could mean the wives of deacons, 
But it could also be that this text is talking about women deacons. And I believe the latter is true. And let me tell you why. The fact that, here it is, when you read 1 Timothy chapter 3, those first eight verses talking about elders, when we read about the elder conversations, there's no reference there to the wife of an elder. And so if in the New Testament church, there were these elders, the overseers of the whole church body, it, it makes perfect sense to me that if there was a qualification and there were rules speaking to the wives of the elders, that would have been there. But it's not. And yet we find that in the passage when Paul, who wrote this very same letter, references the women. And so when you take a further look, and Paul says many things about this. When you take a further look, you begin to do more scripture research, you realize there were no women who were ever candidates for eldership in the New Testament. I, I, don't, I didn't put this on the screen. Read 1 Timothy chapter 2, 12 and 13. Why, why is that? Why were there no females in this role of eldership? It's because the role of the elder, the authoritative function in teaching and oversight according to what I have studied in God's Word, is reserved for men. So here, y'all are like, bro, I don't, even, I don't even know what you're saying here. Let me just try to be as clear as can be. I, as your pastor, believe with all of my heart that the Bible teaches that the overseer, the elder, is a role reserved for men. I think that's what God's Word teaches. Here's what I realize. There are some of you right now who you're like, mm-mm, don't agree with you, pastor. That's Okay. You can disagree with me on that. I am not proposing that Hope Fellowship Church, I, I, you know, I'm kicked out of the pulpit, and for the next six months, we're going to you know, have a female pastor, overseer, preacher. I do not believe that's what God's Word teaches. I, I, y'all have read so much on this. It's been very interesting. Uh, some of the most conservative pastors in, in the United States. And when I say conservative, I mean conservative with a capital C. They have congregations where they reserve this role of elder for men, but where they have a lot of female deacons. And so when you begin to think about this and study this, and I mean some incredible theologians that have written a lot about this, they will point always to this 1 Timothy chapter 3 and what you see in the passages on elders and then what you see in the passages on deacons. But there's more. I'm not, I'm not going to stop there. A third truth that I've considered in this journey. The deacons were distinguished from the elders. Remember, deacons serve. The deacons were distinguished from the elders and they were not the governing body in the church. Nor were the deacons ever charged with authoritative teaching. So when we talk about this role of deacon, here's what's been different for me growing up in the traditional Baptist church. We had this group of deacons who oftentimes were authoritative leaders. That's, that's not at all what the Bible teaches us in the New Testament. A deacon is a servant. And then probably the biggest one of all is the fourth truth I want to point you to. Straight out of God's word. 
Romans chapter 16, verse 1. I remember years ago when we first started, Oshana and Margot and Sherelle and some of you guys, they would joke around about, well, are we going to be the deaconesses of the church? And I'd like, hush, you know, be quiet. I don't... And they were joking and laughing and weren't even serious about it. But you know why they said that? Deaconess? Because of Romans 16, verse 1. In the New Testament, Phoebe is called a deacon or a deaconess. Look at, the, look at the screen. Paul writes, And I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deaconess of the church, that you may receive her in the Lord as benefits the saints, and help her in whatever she may require from you, for she has been a helper of many and myself as well. And so what I see in Scripture is that there's nothing that stands in the way of, of women's full participation serving in a church in the biblical role of a deacon. Now, I've been thinking about this for a year, okay? And today, for the very first time, some of you are like, what are you saying, man? So I, I realize there may be to some of you that you're a bit overwhelmed. If you're overwhelmed, that's okay. I, I want to... My, my office is open. I want to call. I want to talk to you. We can dialogue about this. And, and then some of you might be saying, you're like, why would I need to do that? Some of you right now are like, some, some ladies are like, it's about time, brother. What's the big deal? And then here's what I really think is the truth when we talk about all of this. Here's what, here's what I would acknowledge. There are a bunch of ladies in this section, and there are a bunch of beautiful ladies right here. And there's a bunch of ladies right over here. And you have faithfully served the Lord week in and week out ever since you've known Christ as your Savior. You do it because you know that's what God's Word teaches and you're sitting there like, I could care less if I'm ever called a deaconess or not. Because you're just doing what God has called you to do. And I'm, this church would not be half of what it is today without the faithful female servants in this room right now. I'm just telling you. And so hear me again. My heart's desire is that we would look as close to Scripture as possible. Here's what I believe. This is one of, this is one of the articles I read leading up to today. You're like, man, how do you describe this? Here's a great way to describe it. When we talk about Elders and deacons in the church body. Look at this quote. Elders lead ministry. Deacons facilitate ministry. And the entire congregation does ministry. Because we're all ambassadors. We're all empowered. We've all been called by the Great Commission to go and to make disciples. I guess the last, you know, when I, when I preach a sermon like this, you never know what people are going to think. But I want you to know, man, I have a heart to see us reach people with the gospel. And what that quote says, yes, God, would you give us some elders, some men who chase after you, who believe in the power of prayer, who understand the truths of God's word. God, would you give us a team of deacons who understand and they love to serve with all of their heart. And then God, would you give us a church body? that together, partners for the gospel, 
so that we might do the ministry of the church. My heart's desire is that you would not think, oh man, Kent, he's gone off his rocker talking about them female deacons. No, but instead, you... <laughs> okay. <laughs> but instead, you would see and hear and look for yourself. What does the Bible say? Study it. Study it. Maybe you need to search the Scriptures and you say, hey, you come to me and say, hey, Kent, well, here's 17 reasons why I don't think it's right for a female to serve in that capacity. Man, I would love to talk to you, but I just can't find that. I just can't. And so on this Father's Day, how about that? I'm talking about women deacons. How about that? <laughs> Listen to me. I love you guys. And God's at work, and we're going to join him in what he's doing. Nothing crazy is going on. You know, I'm not about to tell you all how to dress and how to walk and, you know, what you can eat and drink. It's okay. We're here to lift high the name of Jesus. Here's what I want to do before we move into our response time. If you are a, a father or a grandfather or, or like you're just kind of a surrogate father, um, you have custodial guardianship over a child, you're the father to the kid two doors down, if, that, if you're in any of those categories, men, would you just stand up? Just stand up wherever you're at. All the dads, come on, all right? Stay, no, 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 stay up, stay up, stay up, stay up, stay up. Uh, as, our, as our worship team comes, uh, listen to me, guys. The Lord's plan is to use you for your glory. If you're married, that's obviously going to start with your spouse. And, and to those of you standing, you get to do that with children. It is an honor. It's a privilege. And dudes, it's overwhelming, isn't it? It's hard. It's not easy. So I just want to pray for you guys as we move into today's response time. After we sing, there will be some people over here. If you'd like to pray with someone today, they'll be over here. But So maybe you're next to one of these guys. Perhaps you know one of these men. I want to invite you just to reach out. You can stand around them, lay a hand on them, whatever. But let's pray over these men, church. Are you willing to do that with me this morning? Yeah? Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, for every man in this room standing now, got some of these guys, they haven't even been a dad for six months yet. And they are still trying to figure this out. God bless them. And then, Lord, for the men in this room who, who have been a dad for 25, 35, 45 years or longer. God, I think sometimes we get into a season where as we get older, we take it all for granted. Let us not do that. God, I know that uh, sometimes on our best days as fathers, we feel like we're missing the mark. And we feel like we're not all that you desire for us to be. We confess that. And so for this group of men standing here today, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would empower them by your Holy Spirit to lead and to love. God, more than anything, my heart's desire that as every dad in this church would, God, prioritize their relationship with you, Lord. God, let them find time. I know life is busy. God, God let them find time to commune with you, to abide in you, to spend time in the word and in prayer. God, if it's something as simple as 
all of us men standing making a commitment right now to, to every single day to, to pray for our children and for our spouses. Let it begin there. God, grow us as men. God, give us opportunities as fathers to be encouragers to other men. And then God, use us again for, for your glory in our very own households. God, for some of us standing right now, perhaps there's tension. God, maybe we've done things and said things that we regret. And so, Lord, even in that, may we be a group of men who would man up and where needed ask for forgiveness. Let us humble ourselves before you, a mighty God, and before our families for your glory. Thank you for this man. Bless them now. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said. Well, thanks again for listening to the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If you're interested in becoming more connected at Hope Fellowship Church, please visit hope615.com slash get connected.